Hello and welcome to episode 127, part 2. Uh, so this is, uh, so like I said in part 1, this is our, our interviews, uh, thanks, to, thanks to Monster Pictures, uh, we had some interviews with uh, Michael Pare and uh, James Rolf, James Angry Video Game Nerd Rolf. Uh, it was, they were a lot of fun. I, I didn't want to put them into the uh, main episode because they do go for about 25 minutes each, so... Uh, and I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to cut them down any more than I did. Actually, I spoke to, it's basically all of Michael's interview is, is there. It's basically unedited, really. Uh, but I did speak to James for uh, a little bit longer, longer than that. So, I've, you know, I've cut it down a, a little bit. But um, I couldn't cut any more because it was just, it was just both, uh, both awesome. It was uh, the chance to talk to Michael. I mean, I grew up watching this guy's films, you know what I mean? It's Philadelphia Experiment, Streets of Fire, Eddie and the Cruises. I mean, bloody hell. Hearing that New York accent coming out of our forehead. It was brilliant. He's, he's <laughs> still got the accent. It's unmis- unmistakable. So it was really, really cool. Um, and uh, I've been a fan of James uh, as Angry Video Game Nerd for uh, for years. So uh, the chance to talk to him was cool. And he was as nice as I thought he was going to be. So really pleasant conversation. So, so here they are. Uh, first up, we're going to have Michael. This is David, and I'm here with uh, the esteemed Michael Paré. It's uh, an absolute honour to to talk to you, Michael. Thank you very much for taking the time. My pleasure, David. No worries. Awesome. Um, so you've been acting since uh, 1981. Um, it's it's been a, an absolutely huge career. I mean, you've you've acted uh, alongside and under like just the who's who of Hollywood. I mean, it's there's basically nobody that you haven't had, uh, sort of been associated with. I mean, it must be. Uh, pretty exciting to to be able to to say that you know you've worked with all of these people yeah it's been a great career i've been doing it a long time and uh you know what's that you know hollywood's been very good to me it's just um normally when i would do so there's these sort of interviews when i'm sort of talking to somebody like yourself i, I usually go onto imdb and and sort of have a look at some of the things that they've done um and so so then i've got some sort of notes to talk about but i didn't need to do that for you i mean i've I've basically I've grown up with your films, so I, I was able to basically jot down about twenty titles just from memory alone. But then I thought, you know, I'll jump on and you know I'll, I'll do my research. I'll jump onto IMDb and have a look as well. And you've been in like three to four times that many films. I mean, you've you've been into a you've been in a lot of stuff. Do you mind if what I'll do is actually I'll go through the ones that I actually managed to jot down from memory, um, and if you've got anything, anyone that you want to mention in, the, in between any of those, by, by all means, uh, bring it up. But I've, I mean, I've got to start with the greatest American hero. I actually thought that that was your uh, acting debut, but you, you were in a, a, a small role before that. Yeah, that was well. You know, I started studying in New York, but I. Uh I auditioned for ABC's talent development program back in, I think it must have been 1979 or 80. And that brought me out to California for Greatest American Hero. It's the first time I got paid for acting, let's say. Oh, okay, cool. And so so you played uh, the character Tony on, in every all the episodes. Um, it's, a, it's a much beloved show. I mean, it's one of my favorite shows and also one of my wife's. It's just, uh, we, we love it. Um, oh, it was a lot of fun, you know. It yeah. was... You know, the, the three characters, uh, Faye Grant, Don Cervantes, and I, you know, we became great friends, and at the end of every episode, we'd go out, you know, and drink margaritas, and, <laughs> you know, it was great to be 22 years old and on a television, a hit television series. It was uh, fantastic. It was 1980, I think. 
1981. And, and the chance to the chance to talk, to act alongside uh, Robert Culp must have been pretty good. I mean, your first, like you said, your first paid gig, yeah. and then you had this, you know, the, the esteemed Robert Culp with you, and that would that must have been amazing. Yeah, Robert Culp was a real n- nice guy to work with. Yeah, but he was also, you know, I knew him from uh, I Spy and you know a bunch of movies. I mean, he was a big star. That's awesome. Um, so, um, I'm not, I mean, even though my wife is actually uh, here with me, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I had a bit of a crush on Connie Salica. Was, uh, did, did you also <laughs> have a bit of a crush on her? Connie was great. You know, she was <laughs> from right across the Hudson River from me. She cool. was really, it was odd because she was really the same age as me and uh, Faye Grant, but she got to play the teacher, you know, so... Uh, Oh, Connie was great. She could have been hanging around with the, the three of us, but, you know, she was one of the three leads, so she had to maintain her distance. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, then, then, of course, you moved on to uh, what's probably your most famous role, which is Eddie and the Cruises. Um, it's, it, of course, it's a staple of, uh, of my childhood and, and many others. It's, a, it's, a, it's even considered to be one of the greatest sort of rock music type show movies ever made so um have you got any i mean you've probably been asked every single question under the sun about this film so have you got any anything that you think of that maybe you can think about from eddie and the cruises that you haven't really talked about before that you want to talk about well you know everybody asked me about that so there's really nothing new you know <laughs> as far as uh, you know an interesting story yep when i before i got into show business i was uh, working in restaurants and my girlfriend's best friend was a guy named Jimmy Grubel, who was a grip in uh, commercials in, in Hollywood, I mean, in New York. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I moved from that part of town. I started studying acting. And, what, three years later, uh, I'm in the hotel of the, Rick, the Cherry Hill Rickshaw in New Jersey. And I'm walking through the lobby, and Jimmy Grubel comes walking in. And he says, hey, Mike. What are you doing here? And I said, I'm working. Hmm. He says, how's the kitchen? And I said, what do you mean? He says, you said you're working. I said, no, Jimmy, I'm Eddie. That's awesome. And he, he was like, you know, he knew me as, a, as a, a guy who worked in the restaurants in New York. And next time he sees me, I'm the star of the movie that he's making. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool story. Yeah, Jimmy Grubel. Jimmy Grubel. <laughs> Remember that name. Um, so, so Eddie, so Eddie and the Cruises, of course, um, uh, then led on to uh, basically the, your, your other work. You did actually return for Eddie, uh, for Eddie and the Cruises to Eddie Lives. Um, I, I, there's been some questions about uh, whether that sort of sort of um, broke the rules of the story, like that Eddie was dead at the, fir- at the at the end of the first film. But I thought it was fairly obvious that he was still alive. I mean, the the, the end shot is clearly him. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the movie, that's me walking down, uh, I think it's Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, they have a, a close-up on the television screen, and they pull back, and there's a guy with a beard watching it, and that's me. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See, that was pretty, I thought it was pretty obvious. I, I mean, it's, was it always open, uh, was it left open like that because there always was going to be a sequel, or they they, or they just decided to make a sequel? No, they based? had no plan of going to the sequel. Oh, okay. So, due to popular demand. We didn't use the same uh, director. We didn't use the same writer. Right. Uh, we just used uh, John Caffrey and the Beaver Brown Band, actually. That was the only, uh, and me. You know, and Matthew Lawrence came on for a couple of days. Cool. 
Uh, so between 80, uh, 81 and 2, you had uh, a stint in Australia. You actually, you actually came to Australia for Undercover. Yeah, yeah, with David Stevens, I think, was the director, and David Elphick was the producer. Yeah. I was there for, I think, I might have been there for like eight or ten weeks. That's cool. Have you ever actually been back to Australia? Well, I would love to come back to Australia. It's supposed to be, uh, when I went there, it was relatively uh, a small film business. Yeah. And now it's just exploded. Yeah. You, know, you do a lot of television there. You do a lot of big movies. I mean, uh, Peter Jackson is down in that part of the world, right? Or is he in New Zealand? Yeah, he's in New Zealand. Um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's absolutely huge. I mean, he's basically single-handedly created the New Zealand film industry. Yeah, but, uh, but that's fair enough. We often get confused. New Zealand and Australia, that's fine. No, but Australia was, was a great place to be. You know, I had yeah. a great time. It was my first time uh, I needed a passport, actually. Oh, that's awesome. You uh, know who was in that was movie? A... Peter Phelps. Yeah, Peter Phelps. Peter Phelps. And I was uh, living in Venice in California, and I was walking down the beach with my dog, and this guy comes, you know, walking up and says, Hey, Michael. And I said, Peter, whoa, what are you doing here? And he was doing, uh, I think, the first season of Baywatch. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, he was a great guy. Now he's directing, I believe. Yeah, he is, yep. He's he's, he's, he's doing really well. He was there, he, he, he recently had a guest, guest spot in uh, Modern Family Down Under, so it's, he was the face of Australia, essentially. I, I saw he, he directed a movie about some wild surfers. He was a big surfer, actually, I think. Yeah, he is, yeah. That's cool. Your, your memory is uh, really, really impressive. So after after you Undercover... shot Undercover? Dean Semler. What? Uh, wow, really? Dean Semler later went to win an Academy Award for Dances with Wolves. He did, yeah. Jeez. Oh. It's, this, is what was, this is what I said at the start of the interview. It was like, the, the who's who of Hollywood. It's amazing. Um, so after Undercover, you went on to Streets of Fire as Tom... Uh, we're under director Walter, Walter Hill. Um, it's uh, this is a cool film. Yeah, that was a that was a much bigger film than than I had been in up until that point. You know, it was you know it was a big Hollywood. We shot it on the back lot at Universal. Uh, yeah. You know, with a star-studded cast, everybody went on to become big stars after that. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you got to work with uh, Diane Lane, which is uh, pretty cool. Diane Lane, Willem Dafoe, Rick yeah. Moranis. Yeah. Um, I see Deborah Van Volkenberg every once in a while. And um, Amy Madigan. You know, there was, you know, it was big, man. Yeah. You know, Jim Steinman wrote those songs and Jimmy Iving was a... Was Marilyn Vance did the wardrobe. It was, uh, uh, you know, an enormous production. This is a... This is a, a you may you may may not want to answer this, but uh, if you could possibly clear up uh, a rumor for me, uh, a friend of mine told me that on the streets of on the set of Streets of Fire, um, you you wanted to punch Rick Moranis in the face. He and I didn't get along very well, and uh, you know he was uh, a big mouth, a little guy, and you know <laughs> in the you know the character would have hit Rick. Yeah, a lot. I would have hit him really yeah. quickly. Yeah. But, you know, you can't do that because we're, you know, when he says cut, you're out of character. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was very hard to get along with Rick because he was, a, you know, he's a comedian and he was an antagonist. But I never, I never hit him. No, no, well, I, I know you would never would. I mean, how could you hit Rick Morales? But, uh, but, yeah, but uh, he, he said it was, uh, it was quite, 
quite antagonistic, and and uh, so he asked me to clear that up. So there you go. That, that's for you, Dave. Uh, so, um, so on from Streets of Fire um, and Streets of Fire. Actually, the other the other rumor, if you could clear up, was was Streets of Fire. Was that meant to be? Uh, did is that meant to have sequels? Yeah, they were hoping it would go for sequels, but when uh, we finished shooting, the whole production team, you know, Walter Hill, Joel Silver, and Larry Gordon, they all moved from Universal to 20th Century, 20th Century Fox. Right. So when they left, Universal owned Streets of Fire, but they really didn't care about it because they didn't make it. Oh, I see. So it yeah, fell so, th- you know, it was a political thing. Yeah. Um, if Walter had stayed at Universal with Larry and Joel, they would have made two and three. Yeah, an opportunity lost. Well, you know, it we went on to do a, a lot of big movies after that. Oh, it's, it's exactly. Your next film was Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, well, you know, everybody likes that because it was kind of, uh, you know, th- there's, there's a whole mystery about it, and there was a book written. I read the book when I was a freshman in high school. You know, when they were experimenting with electromagnetism, uh, Opperman was involved, Einstein was involved, uh, the guy who founded Scientology involved. Um, L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, what his name is. L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. yeah. L. Ron Hubbard was with Navy Intelligence in World War II. So, you know, there was all kinds of, you know, magical stuff going on. The, the Axis had their, you know, you know, secret weapons, and we had ours. But uh, the experiment actually took place, and we don't know if they actually jumped through time. Yeah. But they definitely disappeared, and, you know, when you generate that much electromagnetism, you know, it's a primal force. Who knows what the heck could happen? Yeah. Was there, is that, have you got any stories from the, from the set of that one? We started in, uh, I think, Charleston, South Carolina, and we worked our way across the country. It was, that was also a big production. We had yeah. some state-of-the-art special effects, but nothing like what we have now. No. Um, I worked with Stuart Raffle, who directed a movie with me, and uh, Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger played my father. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a wonderful experience. I still hear from Stuart once in a while. He's a great guy. Cool. Uh, and then you returned to TV with Houston Knights. Houston Knights. Yeah, with uh, with Michael Beck. Yeah, Michael Beck. Yeah, right after Philadelphia Experiment. I did a, a, a couple of, I did a sci-fi movie, I did an action movie, and uh, then I did two, two years for Houston Knights. And, um, you know, that was a wonderful thing. You know, you work 12 hours a day, five days a week, you go home every night, we shoot right in Hollywood. You know, and it was a cop show. It was at the same time as uh, Miami Vice and very popular. I had a lot of fun on that. Jay Bernstein was the creator who was a very big manager and uh, star maker in Hollywood at the time. You know, he discovered Farrah Fawcett and half a dozen other big stars. It was good. It was, it was, it was a good show. It was a shame it ended when it did. I had a lot of fun working on that. Cool. And then you had uh, a bunch of... Uh, so another bunch of films that are sort of basically more staples of my childhood. You had uh, The Last Hour with Shannon Tweed and Danny Tra- Danny Teo. Danny Trail, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's actually Danny's first film, I think. It's at least his first or second movie. Oh, maybe. Danny's first movie was Boy Train. Ah, it was too. He, uh, he plays, you know, if you watch the beginning of the movie, Eric Roberts is boxing in prison. Yep. And Danny's the guy that he beats up. Ah, it's awesome. <laughs> putting my research to yeah, shame yeah they're talking to Danny for um, this movie that I'll be doing Forgotten 
That's why he's played a gangster. You know, if he has, you know, he has such a busy schedule because he shoots two days here, one day there. So you'll be in a film with him um, fairly soon. Yeah, I made uh, three movies with him. I think. Cool. I did that one with Shannon Tweed? I did one in, uh, I think Tennessee, Nashville, Nashville. So well, yeah, the chance to do. He's a great guy. Yeah, he, he just he sounds like a really cool, cool guy. Character with a lot of history. Yeah. Uh, you also did uh, Blink of an Eye, in, which was filmed in Israel? Yeah, I shot in Israel quite a few times. That was a wonderful experience. You know, Menachem Golan brought me over there the first time. And I worked with a young director named Stephen Cornwall. Yep. Cornwell. And his father was the guy who wrote Smiley's People, John Le Carre. Cool. So he had a, and his brother was a screenwriter. They're, you know, the whole family are writers. Stephen Cornwall was a incredibly talented guy but he had a he had a hard time getting started in Hollywood because you know the first few times they'd screw a director a writer director yeah and he was uh, you know he started out as a journalist we were friends for years after that and he moved out of Hollywood and I moved to Europe and we kind of lost track of each other that's not good uh, so after that you moved on to uh, well this this it's the film in Australia, it was called Lunar Cop, but it's also known as Solar Force, uh, and you played Joe. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's a guilty pleasure of buying this film. I quite like it. Uh, it's also got uh, the, the legendary Billy Drago in it. Uh, yeah, Billy. Billy was great. I made two movies with Billy. I made one uh, where that Menachem Golan directed in Israel. Yep. And then another one um, we shot in South Africa. Cool. Uh, which was my brother wrote it actually. I was just I was going to ask that. So so yeah. So yeah. Lunar Cop was uh, the Lunar, writer is Terence Parry. Exactly. Yeah. So that is he actually your brother. It, it had a different title, but you know. Yeah, Solar Force. Uh, at that time in my career, anything with confident was going to sell. Right. Cool. I still play cops a lot. You know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you, you even you play a cop in the in the Lincoln Lawyer as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Detective. To, yeah, Detective Carolyn. Yeah. Uh, so, but after after Lunar Cop, you did um, Village of the Damned with uh, the the legendary John Carpenter. Yeah, John Carpenter, Village of the Damned. That was fun. That was fun. We shot it in uh, Northern California. You know, uh, I guess we were like an hour north of San Francisco. And um, you know, my friend Peter Jason was in it, who was also had a big part in Streets of Fire. Uh, you know, uh, Superman, Christopher Reeve was the lead. Yeah. You know, and he was such a gentleman. He was actually uh, riding a horse that eventually he fell off of that paralyzed him while we were shooting that. Oh. Sad, you know. Yeah, it was, he was a real gentleman to work with. And uh, John Carpenter, come on, he's legendary. Interesting because there were eight little kids. Yep. You know, in that movie, and they dyed all their hair white. But the eight little kids each had, you know, their parents watching though every time they got called to the set, there was this whole mob of like 20 people. <laughs> yeah. so, so, John Carpenter, you, you've, you've, got to, you've got to have a John Carpenter story for me. Well, you know, John Carpenter uh, smokes a lot. He used to smoke, you know, almost like a chain smoker. And I got on the movie and I started, and I was a smoker. But uh, I had a break, and I went back to L.A., and I came back, and I had stopped smoking. And that upset John, and he, he wanted me to start smoking again until the movie was done. <laughs> so they're just plain cigarettes, or are we talking pipes? Or? No, we're talking cigarettes. Yeah. 
Ah, and so what? You started up. You started smoking again. Yeah, I, John, John insisted I start smoking again until the movie was finished. He didn't want me changing my. Um, he didn't want my my personality to change so dramatically from being a smoker to a non-smoker. Yeah, when John Carpenter says you're going to start smoking, you're going to start smoking. So, uh, with, uh, well, not only did you work with uh, the legend Christopher Reeve, you also had uh, Mark Hamill and Kirstie Alley on that film as well. Amazing. Right, yeah, Mark Hamill. Well, it was amazing, you know, because I saw Star Wars, I guess it was like 1977 when it opened in New York. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I fell in love with that genre. I'm a, I'm a you know, I love Star Trek, Star Wars. Yeah. All of those sci-fi shows were so entertaining to me. I went on to do a, a, a sci-fi series called Star Hunter. Star Hunter, yeah. Which, you know, was supposed to be about a bounty hunter in, uh, you know, our solar system. But, you know, they, they sell you a pilot and then you get on location and, you know, they change the story dramatically. All right. But you were, I mean, you were still the captain, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, they keep calling me saying that we're going to do, a, you know, season three, four, and five say well i would love to do uh you know dante montana again it would be a lot of fun <laughs> you know with the new technology and the new uh special effects you could you know have you could do some really cool stuff with that it would be awesome uh, yes and talking about special effects you got to do uh, a werewolf in bad moon yeah bad moon wow yeah. you know that was one of my favorite movies to make because it was real classic hollywood and uh i just happened to be in l.a in Europe at the time, and my agent called and said, Eric Red, the guy who wrote The Hitcher, would like to meet you. Cool. So I drove over to the studio and had lunch with him and his uh, producer, and I had read the script, and, you know, I, I you know, I'm, we're having lunch on the lot in the, uh, the commissary, and I told him, I said, you know, that monologue that, you know, the werewolf has when he's transforming from a person into a werewolf is just one of the best things I've ever read. It, it's was what do I have to do to get this role? And Eric said, just say yes, Michael. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I want to do this. And he said, there's one other thing. When you're doing the transformation that week that you're doing that, you uh, have eight hours of makeup, and then you have to shoot for 12 hours. Wow. So I would, you know, I would have the makeup put on, we'd shoot for 12 hours, they'd take it off, and I'd sleep in the makeup trailer. <laughs> and that's that was the, you know, the but it was worth it, though, because, I mean, I mean the, the transformation sequence is actually pretty cool. Oh, man, it was it was a great thing. I, I love working with Eric. It was one of my favorite guys to work with. You know, he brought me on uh, the, the ghost movie he did with Famke Janssen, uh, 100 Feet, just because he knew I could do that special effects stuff, and uh, he liked working with me. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, like I said, that's, this is just a selection of, uh, of your many, many films. Um, and you, you then went on to work with uh, Yul Bol uh, quite a lot. So you've, you've done... I mean, Uwe, yeah, well, Uwe and I became great friends. You know, Uwe has a doctorate in German literature and a master's in economics. Right. And he's a boxer. Yeah. Right? So he's a fascinating guy. He's a very, you know, amazing person. And, uh, you know, I did his first movie, um, Sanctimony. And, you know, every time he made a movie, he called me up to play a part. And we had, we have a great time. We would cook together, you know, at his house. And, you know, I have, you know, the cinematographer and maybe a couple of, you know, our favorite people over. Uwe and I are still great friends. 
So, I mean, you've been in, uh, in quite a lot of his films, including uh, his most recent film, Assault on Wall Street. Yeah, that was, you know, a very daring movie to make. And, you know, if Hoover wanted, he could become, he could have become like, you know, the spokesperson for, for uh, you know, the Occupy Wall Street people. Because being, uh, having his master's in economics and doing his own financing for his movies, he understands exactly what happened to the uh, American economy and the European economy. You know, this meltdown and the Wall Street collapse and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he might even be a little bit of a conspiracy person. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's cool. Well, you know, yeah. and you, you see that, uh, you know, the American taxpayer bailed out the bad investments that the banks made. You know, nobody bails out, you know, an independent citizen. When they make a mistake, you got to take the fall. Yeah, exactly. But the taxpayers bailed out, you know, the biggest banks in the world. You know, Assault on Wall Street, I loved making that, even though Dominic and Dominic Purcell and I became great friends through that movie also. It was a great movie. It was a great movie, but I think it scared people. Yeah. Because a lot of people felt like doing exactly what Dominic does in that movie. Exactly, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm hopefully uh, going to be talking to Dominic um, fairly soon as well. He, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's from Australia as well, yeah, isn't he, Dominic? Yeah. He's Australian. Dominic is a great guy. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's a really professional actor. He's pleasant to work with. He's funny. And, uh, you know, he's, oh, he's from Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, he's from, yeah, which is, which is awesome. Uh, so, um, you've, like I said, like I said at the start, you've, you've worked with just about everybody. Is, have you ever uh, thought about doing any directing? Um, if I do another television series, I'll probably direct a couple episodes and then direct the movie. Yeah, yep. that's my plan. That'd be awesome. Um, have you got a favorite onset memory? You know, in Eddie and the Cruises, the night before I had to do the first concert, the director came to me and said, if you fuck up, we're going to fire you <laughs> and replace you. Right? With who? I mean, he said it that blatantly. He said, well, with Rick Springfield. Oh, what? He said, we'll fire you and we will replace you. Jeez. So... When I went out and did the first song, and uh, the audience reacted very big, yep. you know, I was spot on with the lip syncing. Yep. You know, they went crazy, and, uh, you know, Marty couldn't believe it. You know, it was like opening night on Broadway, and bam, they loved me. That's awesome. So that, that, that was the moment. That was really a magical thing, because nobody knew if I could do it. Yeah. You know, and once I did it, it was like, okay. Yeah. Who's the boss now? <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How to do the work under pressure. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because if I had failed, you know, they wouldn't have taken me back to Greatest American Hero. I went back and did like maybe 12 episodes of Greatest American Hero after we shot that. But Billy didn't want me on the show anymore. So it could have but, been the end of my career. What, why didn't Billy want you back on the show again? Uh, it was a distraction. Oh. You know, if you remember, that when they went into the third season, there were none of the students on the show. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was budget or just because there were too many uh, subplots. Right. You, um, you, you, did, you did mention in your email that, you, uh, that you've got something coming up. Are you allowed to talk about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Let's see. John Messner and myself are definitely in it. They're looking for the villain. 
but that'll all be uh, locked down by the time we start shooting. We shoot here in L.A., so it's easy to get uh, actors. Cool. And is it what sort of film is it? It's action. Okay, action, cool. You know, uh, I posted on Twitter. I said, "There's uh, every all the guys are bad. There's a lot of guns and bombs and machine guns, and the chicks are hot, <laughs> and uh, you don't know who the good guy is until like the last few pages." Okay, cool. It, that's, it has, sounds like it has a bit of a twist. I like it. Yeah, yeah, cool. a lot of twists. Awesome. Well, we'll, fi- we'll, we'll finish up with uh, with a, with a, one more question, if you don't mind. This is it's basically our trademark question. If you were if you were actually the one conducting this interview, what would be the one question that you would want to ask? Will you come to Australia and make a movie? <laughs> Michael, would you please come to Australia and make a movie? I would love to come to Australia and make a movie with Dominic Purcell. <laughs> that would be great. That would be awesome. Uh, well, Michael, thank you very, very much for talking to us and, and uh, our listeners. It's been, like I said, an absolute honour. You, you are a, a gentleman of the screen. Okay, David, it's been my pleasure. I hope uh, you got everything you need. And uh, good luck with it all. Thank you very much. You have a good night. Okay, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cool, so that was, that was Michael Paré. Awesome, great to talk to him, and uh, yeah, that accent, brilliant. Uh, sorry for the, the audio quality, was, uh, was a little was a little weird because it wasn't uh, through Skype, it was actually, it was a phone call, so we actually called Michael at his house. So we weren't actually bleeping him, it was, it was uh, the phone yeah, dying. Yeah, so those, those, <laughs> weird, those weird beeps that you heard, uh, that was actually our phone <laughs> saying that the battery was dying, and I didn't realise that at the time, so it was weird. But, it wasn't uh, like you were pressing the buttons with your cheek. <laughs> no. no, it was a speakerphone. <laughs> it, was like, it was on speaker. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but uh, so next up we've got uh, James Rolfe. Hello, it's David, and uh, I am talking with Mr. James Rolfe. How you doing, James? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Now, uh, the majority of our listeners would know James as the angry video game nerd. This is a real, real pleasure for me to talk to you, man. This is—I've uh, been a fan of yours for years. I love your videos. And, uh, oh, thanks. You're hilarious. You're hilarious, man. <laughs> cool. I don't know how you find the find the time yeah. to uh, to do them all. I mean, you do—you've got your uh, cinemassacre.com website, board James videos, um, the the angry video game nerds. How do you, how do you find the time? Oh, uh, I don't know. It, it's difficult. It's definitely uh, very difficult, but. Uh... You know, it's what I like doing. So, um, always just been into making movies of some kind. You know. Yeah. So, I've watched the I watched the uh, the episode of Angry Video Game Nerd where you actually talk about the behind the scenes process, which is really informative. Actually, that's actually one of my favorite episodes. Oh, cool! Thanks. Yeah, that's the the, um, the making of episode. Yeah, the right? making of. Yeah. So you've got it. I mean, you've got it all down pat now. Yeah, it's definitely down to a science. So. Yeah, that, that's definitely uh, one of my real informative ones. Yeah, show what goes on behind the scenes. It's good. It's a lot of a lot of work goes into it. I, I, I and uh, I admire anybody that has any of that sort of Final Cut Pro skill because I have none. We've got. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> we've got we've got a couple of videos up on uh, on our. We've got a YouTube channel as well and uh, NCP TV. We've got some videos up on there where we do like interviews and stuff at like conventions and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. my video skills are very, very poor. <laughs> but that's, that's oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all right. Yeah. Also, no, it is, it's easy to underestimate. It's, it's true. That, yeah. You know, you would think that you could just 
play the game and hit record and then comment over it, but it just doesn't work that way. I mean, some people can do it that way, but what I do is all in edited form and it's all cinematic. So you show the game out of order and you show parts you want to highlight. And it's definitely something that you can take for granted. Yeah. Hey, do you, have, have you have you thought of moving to one of those sort of game recording device type things? No, the easiest thing I've found was DVD. Uh, yeah. Because then you have like a physical copy of it. Uh, um, there, there are some ways you could record it like live into the computer, but it's only cutting out like one extra step. And, and I find it a little more unreliable because then the computer can stall or something can happen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, we're actually we're, we're on to talk about uh, Plan Nine, which is a remake. Well, actually, not really a remake, is it? It's basically a like a new version of Plan Nine from Outer Space, uh, which is being produced by John Johnson from Darkstone Entertainment. And you have a, a role in that film. Yeah, I do. So you actually, um, so your character's name is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't actually ever get mentioned on screen, but I'm pretty sure your character's name is is police is. What is it? Is it Cop B Policeman or something? Yeah, well, I think it started as, because um, uh, I, I was on set, and then John Johnson told me that uh, the character is the same character in the original um, that, uh, oh, why am I blanking? Uh, not Paul Marco, uh, Conrad Brooks. Um, yeah. Conrad Brooks, he was the one who played that that cop, and it wasn't Kelton, it was the cop who had no name, so... Yeah. Is in fact in you know traditional fashion we would have him nameless as um, as just policeman or whatever it was and then on set I think we we were joking around we're like well what's his first name well I don't know cop <laughs> so then it's cop policeman and then we, then we added we went further and made it officer cop <laughs> policeman and I, so I forget how that all came about but it was on set for, through all of us just joking together yeah um, the name came into um, you know fruition that way he's a he's a cool character it's, it's i mean he doesn't he doesn't have a it's not a huge role but it's a, it's a memorable one i especially love the uh the the action sequence of you riding riding up in the van nice uh, you know taking the taking the shots and getting the headshots that was awesome oh that's cool yeah i haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet but i but i remember having lived it i guess but uh i mean well i know the scenes i was in i guess but uh i haven't seen the film yet but i, I look forward to it I remember the van. Uh, yeah, I fire, I fire a shot at a zombie, and, and I think I have like perfect accuracy because yeah. I, I, I kill him with one bullet. I think. Yeah, it's one. It's a one shot. You, you, you're like you're leaning out the window, and uh, and as the can the van is still moving, you take the take the shot as and as a headshot. You, then you you get out, and then unfortunately, uh, you pass on. But yeah. <laughs> but, but it is, um, it's it's a cool. It's a, it's an awesome intro. Yeah, I remember we did it in one take, um, and I'm firing a blank uh, from a gun, and uh, I remember I'm firing at, at my left hand, and because I'm, I'm in the driver's side, so yeah. the driver's, you know, the only way you'd be able to see it, you know, wheel on the left side, so uh, I'm, not, I'm I'm right-handed, so I, I, I'm not as, you know, <laughs> not as good with my left hand, yeah. and I remember I played the, the role without my glasses, too, so yeah. I had no glasses and, and had my left hand um which was fine you know but then but i was like are you sure did i do it good enough do you need another take and uh apparently it was good so we moved on so so you naturally don't wear you actually wear glasses normally yeah i do oh. um i mean i wasn't as dependent on it 
at in you know years ago mm. but as your eyes become worse and worse as, as you get older yeah your, yeah. your, your character in the movie doesn't wear them, and Board James does when your your character Board James doesn't wear them. So I, I figured that was just for your for your nerd videos. But there you go. Well, I wear glasses yeah. as well, so that's fine. Glasses were, unite. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, we'll be filming Board James, and I'm trying to look at the monitor. I'm like, is it in focus? Did you, did you focus the the camera? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's focused. I'm like, it doesn't look focused, and it's like you're not wearing your glasses. Oh, fuck it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So tell me, how did you get involved in in Plan Nine? Plan, I think I mentioned it in um, a video. Um, it was actually a video about Ed Wood movies. Yeah, and I mentioned that I heard there's a Plan Nine remake being made, and I think that put me on uh, their radars. And they, uh, John Johnson, contacted me about it, and I was like, "Well, yeah, of course I'll be in." Plan Nine was one of my favorite films as a kid, so. Course, I have to be in it if, if you're going to ask. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And did you ask specifically for that role, or that was the one that was given to you? Uh, it was it was given to me as far as I remember. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks to um, Monster Pictures, which is uh, which is who arranged this interview with you today. They're, they're actually distributed it here in Oz. So, and uh, I watched it last night. It's uh, it's very entertaining. Oh, cool. Yeah, you should. Uh, it's great. You, you can be proud of it. Nice. Yeah, look forward to it. <laughs> so I'm um, obviously uh, talk, talking to you. We can't talk to you about without mentioning a- angry video game nerd and and uh, talking about that as well. So uh, I just I'm just I'm so stoked, man. I mean, I've watched every single video. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. Oh, cool, nice. Uh, I've got to bring up. I just I have to bring up LJN games. <laughs> has, yeah. Has anybody? I mean, I agree with you. Every single LJN game is awful. Um, have you, has has anybody from LJN ever ever contacted you? Have you ever spoken to anybody from there? Uh, no, I mean since you know, I mean I guess especially since well the company's defunct, but I haven't yeah. heard of any individuals who work there. Uh, I do know the founder passed away um, a couple of years ago or something. Right. But yeah, it was originally a toy company, but then they I guess they branched out the games. Uh, I guess they should have stuck to toys. <laughs> How did they manage to get all these licenses, though? It's amazing. I don't know. Somebody, um, well, I didn't know this. Somebody suggested to me that, well, Universal, Universal Studios, um, I think it's Universal. I could, I could be getting this all wrong, but uh, they, they had something to do with LJN. They, they, it was like an affiliate or something, and um, oh yeah, Universal because um, supposedly. You remember the whole lawsuit with Donkey Kong and King Kong? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then because they lost the lawsuit to Nintendo, it was just a small company at the time, and then that was kind of their way to get back at Nintendo, somebody (laughs) suggested, was that they made all these shitty games. I mean, it's funny to think if the games were deliberately done that way. That can't be true, surely. Yeah, Maybe maybe one. I can see him doing one of them, just to say, you know, screw you, but... Yeah, like not all of them. All of them are bad. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's a stretch, it, but it's still an interesting story. <laughs> it, is, it is a cool story. <laughs> so, yeah. um, what what made you decide to sort of, to create the the angry video game nerd character and and do these videos? Um, I mean, the character. I guess it's it's uh, you know, a lot of ways. A lot of people who have an alter ego like that. That, that you know, they like. Uh, it's just 
an extension of yourself. Mm. It's sort of like the, the, the things a nerd says are, are things that I, you know, believe in. It's the same things that I would say, but they're exaggerated. Oh, it's, um, it's not even that exaggerated. I actually know people personally who yeah. are spot on. <laughs> so oh, it's yeah. a little close to <laughs> yeah. home for some people. <laughs> yeah, the more you stick to the truth, the, the better. Yeah. yeah. But it was just, it, I mean, it was just a random um, project. I, th- I thought it was really funny to talk about an old video game that nobody's ever talked about in like 20 years or something. Mm. But then it turned out like this thing was bigger than I thought. And, and everybody remembers those games apparently. So I, I didn't, I, I, I underestimated how many other people played the same games as a kid. Mm. So it's very, I mean, somebody said it to me, they said it best. It's like nostalgia for bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wasted time. Yeah. But when you're a kid, that's all. The, that's all your time. All your time is wasted time. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't know it was going to be homework for the future, though. <laughs> and now it's like I'm always reaching back into this pool of memories. Like, uh, how many games could I do? I mean, thankfully, it's never run out yet. So I, I mean, I play a lot of games now that I haven't played as a kid, but yeah. but still, a lot of times you, you you find one that you didn't talk about yet. <laughs> you know since you were a kid and then and then it kind of brings back some memories and then it's and that brings back other people's memories so yeah um yeah it's uh, in, in the room that you actually film in is that is that an actual room in your house like the basement or something uh yeah it okay. um yeah it's difficult to find the space i remember one time it was just a corner uh it was like so whenever we would turn the camera around the other way yeah we would take the posters and then put them on the other wall oh, wow. to make it look like the room was bigger. So you're only seeing two walls, Jeez. <laughs> but the, the basement now is, is there's some more space. So definitely needed it. Definitely comes along with the, the requirement <laughs> <laughs> or else I wouldn't be able to have those fight scenes with Bugs Bunny or whatever. <laughs> Mecca, Mecca Jesus. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the and, and all that the games that you, the collection that you've got are, are they ones that you, I mean you've been collecting since you were young um, and then sort of added to them later as well or are they they're just more recent additions. Uh, most of them are more recent additions. Most of them are ones people give to me. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things with the space issues is always trying to find where to put everything because if you remember there used to be posters behind me now there's no posters it's just wall to wall games games yeah. Yeah, so a lot of them are, are recent additions. As a kid, I, I um, you know, eventually sold most of my games because I couldn't. I was, you know, I was pretty much just broke. I just needed to. Uh, what was it? I always said that uh, I sold Contra for seven bucks to get a sandwich one time. Yeah. And I'll never remember that sandwich, but I'll always remember Contra. <laughs> yeah. It's almost, <laughs> um, it's almost a, a tearjerker story. Like, yeah. oh my god, no, not Contra! Yeah, but now I have it again. So now it's kind of like I've re-collected um, a lot of those same games. Um, and and with, with good reason, because I have the web series. If I didn't have the web series, none of that would have been happening. But yeah. um, the web series is, you know, what you know, what keeps it all going. So there's a purpose for it. Yeah. So it started off as um, as just a like a personal project, didn't it? And then you, you then actually eventually then put it on... Uh, the web and like YouTube, cha- yeah, its own YouTube channel, and, and congratulations yeah. on the YouTube channel, by the way. It's like it's it's past one point five million subscribers, yeah. 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah, pretty much as soon as YouTube started was when when I, I put those on there. Mm-hmm. There was only three at the time, and uh, the Karate Kid was was brand new. Yeah, that was the third episode. There were two before it that were that were done um, a couple years before that. Just like a personal thing. Yeah, I mean, and nobody saw the first two when they first came out. It was just, I mean, a few people did, but it was just, I just copied it to VHS and then passed it around to some of my friends, cool. just as I would with all my other movies. In fact, they were part of a of a collection of other movies. It was like a bunch of movies all on one tape, yeah, and that was just circulating circulating around. That's awesome. And even then, there was some fan base. Like, I, it was a little bit of a small cult that started. I would hear from a friend from a friend who would be like, "Oh, I saw that video. That was hilarious." Um, and that was before YouTube. It's like the physical version of viral videos. Yeah, I mean, that's the that was all we had. I mean, that was the very tail end of that VHS swapping. Yeah. Because even then, you you could burn a DVD, but it was usually glitchy. You know. It was a little bit trickier. It was easier to do the time old, tested tradition of uh, VHS. Right, that's cool. I mean, obviously, a lot of most people would know you from Angry Video Game Nerd, but uh, I also quite like Board James as well. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, I'm actually writing uh, new episodes for that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Do you take uh, board game requests? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's certain ones I hear about a lot, and then at a certain point, then, yeah, they go higher up on the list, so. Okay. Yeah, is there a particular one in mind you remember? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through, I was, it's, now that I know you're gonna do it, I'm gonna go through my collection and sort of, uh, and uh, send you a list of all the ones I want you to cover. Okay. Now, now that we're best friends, you'll, you'll cover mine first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, and you also like do uh, movie reviews, uh, mainly dealing with horror movies and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and then I just finished the nerd feature film. Yeah, th- th- tell, tell us a little bit about that. That is awesome. So, it's, it's, did you did you have the idea for the Angry Video Game Nerd movie uh, before or after they actually discovered the ET cartridges? Oh yeah, I mean that was the first video. I mean the first video proof of ours is 2010. Um, that was when I first announced that I was making the movie, and then the the whole digging happened in 2014. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were almost done. We were in really deep in the post production by that point. So, I mean, it was definitely interesting. It was definitely the year of the Atari landfill. Yeah. You know, when the the same year we released the film, but we were writing it since 2007. So we weren't writing steady enough. But if you count all the years before production actually started. Um, this movie's been like eight years of my life. And then you can watch it in two hours and it just flies by. But when I look at it, I'm like, oh, wow, that was such a long journey to finish this thing. That's so awesome. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a cool thing. I mean, how, what, how freaky is the coincidence? I mean, have, have, did you get your hands on one of those landfill ETs? Oh, no, I didn't. I mean, they, they went on eBay um, and I remember... I was looking at them and they were going up. They were getting pretty expensive, so I would have I would have probably got one, but it was a little too pricey. Yeah, they should have sent you one. Oh yeah, <laughs> they they were talking to us. We were talking about being in it, um, you, you know, but uh, 
uh, the day that they, they chose to do it was uh, the same weekend as my daughter's one year birthday. Yeah. Um, so it was, and it was definitely a a big thing to celebrate then yeah. and how much uh, we went through. That is awesome. It's and I, I agree with you too. I mean, it's just it's not that bad a game. It gets it gets a bad rap. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, the frustration level is not nowhere near as bad as Bill and Ted. Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's so many worse games, but I'm glad people called it the worst game because it wouldn't have gotten, you know, um, on my radar as much because it was the worst game and everybody kept uh, requesting it all the time was basically like the the inspiration, like half the inspiration for the movie. So if if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have had the, the whole idea and the whole cult thing behind it. Yeah. And actually, Howard Scott Warshaw, who designed the game, he's also happy with um, it being called the worst game of all time. Um, <laughs> he, he really goes along with it. And he says, because uh, Yars Revenge um, is always called the, the best game of all time. So he's got one of the, the best games and one of the worst games. So he's got the biggest range of any game designer. <laughs> <laughs> he will always be remembered. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, must, it must have been pretty cool to actually get your own feature film. It's, that's pretty groovy, man. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention, uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, on the movie, uh, my uh, co-writer, co-director, Kevin Finn, mm-hmm. and um, my producer, Sean Keegan, you know, we were all like a triple force on the movie. So I just wanted to, make, just wanted to mention them, that's all. Oh, of course. Give, give, them, the, give them the big plug. Yeah, <laughs> you guys rock. So, it's, um, <laughs> angry video game nerd episodes. I'm gonna throw you in the deep end here. Can you list your your three favorite episodes? Oh, I'm not sure. It's tough, but I think I I'm gonna say my number one might be uh the, the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde re revisited <laughs> episode. Re revisited. So it, sec- it was the, the second time because the first time I, I I reviewed that game, it was it was the second episode and it was the first time that nerd was ever on camera hmm. so it was kind of just like a character study sort of thing it wasn't really like a game review as much where it was just the character ranting about it for yeah. like uh, whatever 10 minutes straight 10 minutes, or however yeah. long it is yeah and you look so and, dumb yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this time was like going back and doing it proper and just like really uh dissecting all the things that are wrong with the game and there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> have you got? The, have you got a two and three? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm right now. I mean, I'll probably change my mind each time. But uh, yep. the time I had the Dick Tracy one, I remember being a really good one. Yep. Because um, there were some like personal stories in there when I showed footage of me as a child dressed yeah. as Dick Tracy, and I think it had a good personal touch, and it definitely ramped up to a big uh, screaming rant at the end, which I think is. You know, one of the essential things of the character. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm an idiot. I forgot. I think my favorite episode is Rob. It's got to be Rob the Robot. Rob the Robot. That's, actually, that's, yeah. that's my number one. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that was the hundredth episode, and it was a. Uh, it was one of the most epic. Yeah, no, that's exactly that's just the right word. It was epic. Yeah, it was like there was a story in it, you know, and that's what I like is just fiction, just making up cool stuff. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's the amount of work that went into that episode is just amazing. Yeah, that was the most work. Well, at the time, it was the most work ever put. I think, no, and you know what? It still is. It's the, it's the most amount of hours I ever put into a single episode, but it's 
only it only narrowly beats Crazy Castle, yeah. and if you count the whole twelve days of Schittsmith, that's up there too. <laughs> it is bloody hilarious. It's, it's it's my favorite one by far. <laughs> nice. Cool. I mean, I mean, they're all good. I mean, I, I quite like. Uh, I mean, I've actually I've got a list here. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I've, I, I but I I like uh, Superman sixty four. It's like, you think this would be a practice level, but no, it's the actual level. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Moonwalker is um, uh, the making of that I've mentioned already. Ghost and yeah. Goblins, which is the one that's got the footage with you and your, your sister at, at Christmas or whatever. Um, yeah. Bill and Ted, Star Wars, Dick Tracy, Godzilla, and uh, I, I, we can't go past uh, the Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street one as uh, we actually yeah. have, like, Freddy show up and, like, give you crap. It's like, sucked in, nerd! <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. That is cool, cool. stuff. That is good. It's, uh, they're, all, they're all cool, but they're, they're my favourites by far. Oh, nice. One of the sure signs of uh, success, I think, is the fan reaction, like, the, the what fans, you know, fan feedback and, and things like that. And... The fact that some of your fans have actually gone to the effort to make video games based on your character and the video, and some of them are actually qu- really good. Yeah, there isn't like one game. It's funny when, whenever someone says, like over all the years, someone always say, like, "Oh, I played a video game that you know you're in a video game." I'm like, "Like, yeah, which one? Which one was it?" Um, because there's so many, like so yeah. many people did, you know. I mean, when the the very first of those showed up, I mean, it's, how, how did you feel, man? It must have been amazing. Uh, yeah, it felt like uh, full circle. It yeah. needed to happen. That's awesome. But I didn't know how far it would go. And then to have like an actual, like official endorsed one where Screw Attack and yeah. Freak Zone Games is uh, the AVGen Adventures. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so frustrating of a game. And then <laughs> it's all my fault because it it was all based on. It was like they took all the bad things about games that I complain yeah. about, but they made it into a game that's worth playing. It's the size of a battleship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite they, That was like one where they just, it was like a, like they went to me personally almost, like where it was like there's the thing with the character, but that wasn't really like a nerd thing. It was more like just me, myself, being a big fan of the giant claw. So yeah. that was really funny that they added that in there. That is cool. I just, I, I just think that is absolutely amazing. That I mean, the, the effort that, that some of those people have gone through is awesome. Yeah. And, they, and they even put them on a cartridge. I mean, that is brilliant. Oh yeah, it's great. And I, I credit all of them. I didn't have any like, you know, big input in, in it. Like you know, I just let them do it. So it's you know, it did a great job. But it's funny. Some people I think like think I I was like making the game with them, but I didn't do. I I wasn't hands on with any of it. Yeah. Um. They knew all the humor on the show and everything, so... Have you ever made your own game? The closest I would ever say to having almost made a game was probably back in the early 90s or late 80s, I guess, and uh, we had GW Basic, just basic computer programming, Mm -hmm. you know, on the old DOS computers, and then I I was working on a Godzilla RPG game, which was basically just text it was just a text godzilla game yeah it had music i was actually like emulating the the music almost um like i was trying to match the tones i don't know i, I was just working on other things so i never finished it yeah 
so that's the closest I'd ever come to make, making a game, but I wouldn't really call it much of a game. I mean, with Cinemassacre.com, like I said, you review films and things like that with a focus on horror films. Yeah. What is your favorite horror film ever? So now I don't want to get it wrong. But I might change my mind, but I think Night Living Dead, um, the original Night Living Dead. Awesome. Because uh, it's kind of like in the middle of horror films, yep. like where it's it's black and white. And it's classic, but it, it's also kind of gory, and it, it was kind of just, you know, right before the, the MPAA rating system, you know, yeah, it's just kind of like in in the middle. It's like in the in the middle of history. Mm. But also, you know, what I can't I can't not mention the, the Universal monster movies because those are kind of like I can't pick just one, but they're all favorites of mine. Yeah, they're brilliant. Yeah, Cre- Cre- Creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite of those. Oh, cool! Yeah. Do you, do you get to get, go to um, conventions and stuff like that? Yeah, I do. I, I I made about ten public appearances last year, which was a lot. Wow. Um, yeah, um, and that was touring with the movie and everything. Yeah. And 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 uh, Kevin Finn, my co-writer, co-director, um, attended uh, even more of them. So he was like. He went. To, well, they they showed it at the Fantasia Film Festival. Cool. So he he and Sean were there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I do go to conventions quite a bit. Uh, this year I'm slowing down a little bit just to kind of get things, um, you know, situated again. Yeah. In my personal life, just trying to get things things under control. Get let the dust settle after finishing the movie. Yeah. Well, Spend more time with my daughter. Um, the important things. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know you're a, you're a, you're a busy, busy man, which is why I'm, I'm so uh, honoured that you you took the time to speak to us. It's, it's really, really cool of you. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, and I know I'm always never what um, I'm usually not what people expect, but uh, I hope <laughs> hope you still enjoyed it. Anybody listening? <laughs> of course, uh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, you're 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 a talented dude, and uh, I hope you continue doing what you're doing because I mean you obviously bring a lot of joy into people's lives and uh, and uh, I, I can't tell you how stoked I am to actually finally talk to you and if we could if you oh, could actually come get, get down to get down to Australia and get get to one of our conventions or something that'd be awesome bring the family down yeah you gotta get down there <laughs> that'd be awesome uh, yeah so yeah that always means a lot to me that you know people enjoy it cool awesome well thank you very much for your time uh, James it's been, uh, been very very cool and uh, good luck with everything else that you're doing and and uh, many more videos to come, hopefully. Oh, keep them coming. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. Cool. And that was James. What a legend. What a, what a really nice guy. It was, it was uh, an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to him. So maybe even we'll get to talk to him again. It'd be awesome. But uh, there you go. That's it. That's it fit for uh, episode 127, part two. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you listened to it. If you haven't listened to part one yet, but, which is just silly. Well, go listen to part one. But it's all right. You don't have to listen to part one to understand part two. No, you don't. But I prefer <laughs> you to listen to part one as well because uh, I'm just that type of guy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>